Let us pray. O God, you are our Christmas in the midst of chaos. You are our salvation in the midst of suffering. You, O Lord, are the divinity in the divine disruptions of our lives. We listen for you. We look for you. We wait for you now as you speak to us in your word. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. You may be seated. Have you you ever noticed in the popular Christmas movies that we watch each year, like uh, A Christmas Vacation, for example, or A Charlie Brown Christmas? I suppose I could pick any number of them. Have you ever noticed how the plots always place Christmas in the context of chaos? So, for example, um, for Charlie Brown and company, It's the chaos of commercialism through which Linus, heroic Linus, breaks through with his mighty blanket, right, and gives the monologue. Um, Or for Chevy Chase, it's Christmas in the midst of a visit from Cousin Eddie. It's It's Christmas in the midst of a visit uh, from a, a loose, violent squirrel at Christmas dinner, right? Or a scorched Christmas tree, or a visit from the police and SWAT teams after they kidnap uh, a CEO. Merry Christmas, right? And it's no different for Mary and Joseph. Listen to their first Christmas, a public scandal possible execution, two frightening visits from divine messengers, a maniacal, murderous politician who sends them running for their lives, and a birthing room, a birthing room that would have made, well, let's say a Motel 6 look like a resort. Listen to how Nashville songwriter Andrew Peterson describes their plight their chaos. It was not a silent night, he sings. It was not a silent night. There was blood on the ground. You could hear a woman cry in the alleyways that night on the streets of David's town. And the stable wasn't clean. The cobblestones were cold. And little Mary, full of grace, with tears upon her face, had no mother's hand to hold. Perhaps it's not just the humor of Chevy Chase and Charles Schultz to which we're drawn in these movies. Maybe it's the accurate depiction of Joseph's and Mary's and indeed, all of our Christmas stories put together. Because for Joseph, in today's gospel passage from Matthew, and for us, every Christmas, Christmas happens in the midst of chaos. Salvation comes in the midst of suffering. And divinity is undisguised in the disruption of our lives. 
This is God's invitation to us today from Matthew's gospel. Just as Joseph, just as Joseph welcomed God's miraculous, unconventional, surprising, scandalous, chaotic, disruptive, I would even say costly invasion into his life. God invades Joseph's life and he welcomes it. Just as Joseph welcomed it, so are we this Christmas to do the same. Here it is in a a sentence. On this fourth Sunday of Advent, days before Christmas Eve, God invites us to find Christmas not in spite of, but in the midst of our chaotic circumstances. Let me say it again. God invites us today, like Joseph, to find Christmas not in spite of our chaotic circumstances, but literally in the midst of them. Where do we see this theme in in the gospel text? Follow along with me, if you will, in your gospel. Let's look at the question, where's the chaos? Where's the suffering? Where is the disruption? Um, Right off the bat, in Matthew's gospel text, he tells us this, when Mary had been engaged to Joseph before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, it's easy here to read the story in hindsight, isn't it? And forget that for Joseph, like for any unsuspecting husband in the months before his honeymoon, Mary's pregnancy means utter betrayal at the deepest level. Mary's pregnancy means the loss of Joseph's future plans, what he was counting on, his life together with Mary, his family. It means the end of a mutual financial agreement that had been set up months previous between two families because theirs was an arranged marriage. It was a a business deal of sorts even in that culture. So we can imagine Joseph asking when he finds out the news about Mary's pregnancy, how could she do this to me? Or who is the guy, right? This is disruption at the deepest level for Joseph. But Matthew goes on. Her husband Joseph, he says, further down the passage, being a righteous man, and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. So, more than just personal betrayal between a woman and a man, Mary's unplanned pregnancy outside of their marriage contract means in those days and in that culture, almost certain punishment of death for Mary. He's not just dealing with an affair, he thinks. He's about to lose Mary to death, perhaps. Scholars point out that Joseph, because of Jewish law, he would have been in complete accordance with the law to turn Mary in and just let her face whatever punishment comes her way. But he doesn't do that. Now, just like a Christmas vacation, I would add, Matthew just trumps up the chaos. Keep going. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream as if that wasn't enough, and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. She'll bear you a son. You'll name him Jesus. 
He will save his people from their sins. Okay, follow me. In light of Joseph's culture, Joseph is being asked here in sticking with Mary to let go of what would have been for most men in his culture a lifelong dream. That is to bear a firstborn son, a son that would carry on your family name and lineage. This was not his son. If I receive Mary into my life and all the baggage at this point that she brings, he didn't know that it was God, then I'm giving up what is, for me and my buddies, a really high privilege. I'm losing a firstborn son. We even, Matthew tells us, get the hint that he doesn't even get to name his son. You don't get to name him. Joseph starts to look a lot like George Bailey in It's a Wonderful Life, doesn't he? he he's lost everything. Everything he was counting on and hoping for, he's not going to be a husband, not going to be a father. This was the context of Joseph's encounter, his first encounter with Jesus Christ. This is Joseph's Christmas. So let me ask you, as you hear God's Word today, what chaos or suffering or disruption pervades your life this fourth Sunday of Advent? And are you tempted like Joseph to quietly dismiss the chaos rather than engage it and look for Jesus Christ in the midst of it? As petty as the chaos may be, for example, I'll use my own life story, and uh, these are not um, tragedies by any stretches of the imagination. These are first world problems. But let me tell you what has me looking for Jesus in the midst of chaos. Mindy and I, this Advent season, have been trying to buy a house. And we discovered this week that the owner of the home and the bank who would loan us the money uh, do not agree on the price of the house. So the contract has fallen through. This Advent season, Mindy and I have been uh, off and on wrestling with the, a health insurance company who we've been paying coverage for Daphne, but follow this, because of a clerical error, we've been paying for coverage, but Daphne hasn't been receiving any coverage. So now we're on constant elevator music waiting calls, right? And just so nobody gets left out of the fund, the IRS called us this week to let us know that our accountant made a small error on our forms. Now, I was um, thinking about, I always like to think, how does this gospel text hit me? Where, where, where does it hit me in the most personal, the most emotional even place? So this is, I feel like Joseph. I'm waiting for Jesus and chaos is all around me, lots of disruptions. Um, it, it, I would never think God would come to, to me in this way. Um, Joseph would say, think again. But b before I had uh, finished sort of putting the sermon together, Mindy called me on Friday saying, hey, Josh, um, I'm somewhere on I-4 in Sanford, and the car is broken down. <laughs> you know, I can think of several conversations I've had with you over the last few weeks, some of you uh, who know chaos like this right now as well, job loss, physical health, dysfunctional families, um, last week in our collect, we prayed, God, 
Stir up your power, O Lord, and with great might come among us. And maybe we should have added the qualifier, but don't come among us with a job loss or a divorce or et cetera, et cetera. Joseph would say, that's exactly how God came into my life on the first Christmas, a series of unfortunate events. Matthew concludes the story by giving us this statement. He says, when Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. In other words, instead of quietly dismissing Mary, which, which he could have done, well, that would have even been a noble attempt by Joseph. He didn't want to publicly shame her, so he was just going to quietly do it. His best intentions, God says, don't do that, just obey me. Isn't it interesting that we don't hear Matthew's words or his, his, like his internal dialogue in this text? Matthew just tells us not what Joseph said, but what he did. He obeyed God. I surmise that it wouldn't be a pretty thing if we were to hear Joseph's inner dialogue at this juncture. How was he to know that the cause of all this turmoil in his life was actually not another human fellow, but God himself? He didn't know it at the time. An author named Michael Coffey has written a poem sort of connecting Joseph's Advent experience with ours. Let me give it to you in full. It's beautiful. Michael calls it quiet dismissal. Quiet dismissal. Quiet dismissal is what we do to you still. When you are close, because you flush our faces red with your pregnant unexpectedness, invading our strategies and medicaments, ruining our safe careers and nest egg certainties, we would have you sent off, Joseph-like, to a small town, halfway house, clappered gray, where you could birth your ways behind windows in an audible isolation and irrelevance. And we move on to another love and another So what singing angel will come to us in reverie to save us from ourselves and our best intentions and head off our ego-preserving diplomacies and gospel us with the message we dread and the message we always need in our flat barrenness? Fear not the mysterious that labors for love in spite of us, uncontrollable mercy is with us. Friends, God invites us today not to quietly dismiss the chaos, the sufferings, the disruptions of our lives, but in obedience to engage them with eyes of faith, believing that welcoming God's disruptive activity in our lives will inevitably lead, like it did for Joseph, to seeing beholding and welcoming Jesus Christ himself, who is the fulfillment of all God's promises to us and our very salvation. Amen.